Good morning, church. My name is Mike. I serve on the Student Life team. Just a few announcements this morning. Christmas is a few weeks away, and we're so excited to celebrate the birth of our Savior. We'll hold several candlelight services on the 23rd and 24th, and one bilingual service on Christmas Day at 11 a.m. So don't forget to check out wheatonbible.org Christmas for all the service times, as well as information about Shine Special Need Programming. This is a wonderful time for you to invite friends, family, and coworkers. So pick up a free invitation card in the atrium that you can share with them. Today is the last day to drop off new gifts with receipt attached for our Puente del Pueblo Christmas store in the Mark bins around church. However, you can continue to purchase gifts through our online wish list at our webpage, wheatonbible.org slash Christmas store. Under-resourced parents in our community have the opportunity to stretch their hard-earned dollars and purchase affordable gifts for their children through the Christmas store. So thank you for prayerfully considering being a part of this ministry opportunity. Two exciting events are coming up. Building Christmas Memory will take place on Saturday, December 10th. You and your kids can come and play group games, hear the story of Christ's birth, and build gingerbread nativity. Two sessions will be held, and the cost is $25 per family. Also, there will be a Christmas carol sing on Sunday, December 11th at 6 p.m. It will be a time of caroling led by our choir, orchestra, and handbell choir. This is a great opportunity to invite someone who may not know the true story of Christmas. So for more information about both of these events and to register for building a Christmas memory, visit wheatonbible.org Christmas. Finally, we want to have a posture of prayer this Advent season as we remember the birth of Jesus. Throughout this month, we're gathering on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. in the East Worship Center to pray together. And we want to encourage you to continue praying for that one family member, one neighbor, and one coworker that they would come to know Christ this Christmas season. That's all we have for today. Have a wonderful Sunday and a great week ahead. Good morning. Thanks to the student orchestra for providing our prelude this morning. It's a wonderful thing to bring all ages and abilities and backgrounds together in the midst of a Christmas season to play for the Lord. Amen? They did a great job, and about seven of them are joining our adult orchestra this morning, too, some of our more advanced students. So it's a great day for all generations here at Wheaton Bible Church. Let's stand together and worship Christ, the newborn and eternal King.
through all eternity. Amen? Amen. Amen. Please have a seat. Faithfulness, a man will sit on it. One from the house of David, one who is who in judging seek justice and speed the cause of righteousness. John 3 16 17 For God so loved the world that he gave his only and only son, that whoever believed in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 1 John 4, 16, 18 through 19. God is love. Whoever lives in love, lives in God. And God is in them. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives through fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Rome 8, 35, 37 to 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations, or distress, or persecutions, or famines, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This week, as we focus on love, we remember how God's love for the world was unexpectedly manifest in Christ incarnation through the son God himself stepped into his story 
the one who spoke all things into existence, who made everything from nothing, who uphold all things by the word of his powers, who is eternal and self-sufficient, come to us as a baby, took on a frail flesh and human needs, as was willing to grow up and experience life as one of us, and to save us from our sins through his life, death, and resurrections. He emptied himself of his heavenly glory as he left his rightful place with the Father to become one of us forever. God the man, our Lord, our King, our great High Priest, our servant, our brothers, our friend, our saviors, Jesus Christ. We light the second Advent candle to remind us that God is love and that as we wait in anticipations for Christmas, we are sure that we are forever standing upon and hidden in everlasting love of God in Christ and that nothing can ever separate us from him. Amen. O come, O come, Emmanuel, as we long for Jesus.
dear God, we live in the in-between. We long for Jesus to come and yet celebrate that he's here with us now. Thank you for your great love for us and sending Jesus that he brings new life, new hope, new joy. And we can't wait for the day that we too will hear the angels singing his praises. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The next anthem celebrates these things that we were just talking about. New life, new hope, new joy in Jesus, the wonderful child. Enjoy.
Did everybody catch the smiles across all the faces with that one? That was fun. Thank you, team, for the joy in leading us in worship this morning. Uh, church family, my name is Kyle Reschke. I serve as one of our pastors here on staff, and I, I have a fun celebration and follow-up for us all this morning as we um, continue in worship. So you may remember that back in October, we did a one-week special offering at Missions Fest, right, for uh, several specific projects with our missionaries around the world and with Puente del Pueblo here in our own community. And we celebrated at the end of Missions Fest that uh, more than 500 households uh, gave over $242,000 in just that one week. And uh, because of that giving, not just the original projects, but extra projects were possible. So the team has just had an absolute blast over the last month. We've been calling all our missionaries and partners, letting them know of these special above and beyond gifts uh, that are coming their way. And so we've recorded those calls and those conversations uh, to express their uh, thanks. So check out this video for a sample of uh, what these generous offerings are going to and just to hear directly from our missionaries and partners. And check out this video. you had a proposal um, to keep supporting um, all of the, the precious children who are a part of Hope for Life and the feeding program. Uh, you shared a bit about Operation Joshua to distribute New Testaments to Greek villages. The opportunity you have to renovate a building, set up a bakery, provide employment for displaced Ukrainians and to be providing bread for that community and, and beyond. As our congregation heard you share, they responded. Wheaton Bible Church would like to provide a grant of $30,000 for our Operation Joshua and also to send a team from our church to serve alongside you in July. That is amazing. Wheaton Bible Church would like to provide $18,000. <laughs> wow. An extra $18,000 um, USD uh, <laughs> in support of the feeding program with the precious kids of Hope for Life. We are able to fully fund uh, your grant request for $10,000 to support counseling for Ukrainian families. Wow, we are speechless, as you can, as you can see. Praise God, God gave us $8,500 that we could send to Go Ministries. We would like to give you a grant of $15,000 wow. to, to renovate the kitchen. I know a lot of cooks and, and and administrators are gonna be really happy <laughs> to hear that. And I think it's fair to say if the cooks are happy, everybody's happy. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, we were pleased to say that we could send $15,000 to us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. That is really incredible. Missions Fest meant a lot to both of us. And again, just that, that just blows our mind that, that uh, God can be able to produce all of that and, and 
fill those needs. So thank you so much. Through our practices, our coaches are able to invest in the, in those players. And um, we always have the goal at the front of our mind of we want to make disciples. We can't do it without balls. We can't do it without all the equipment um, and the space to be able to uh, open up those doors to relationships. Hey, church family. It's Mary Cortez from Contendo Pueblo. I wanted to say thanks. We had a problem at the beginning of the year. We had eight kids who couldn't get to Puente, and we got a van. We've been with us with the program Secundaria de Puente del Pueblo, and queremos decir Thank you. More. So I don't know. I don't, I don't have words. I'm just filled with joy. I have to say that Wheaton Bible Church is just this extremely warm responsive, tender, and uh, eager body of Christ, eager to, to serve and, and to be a part of what Jesus is doing. If you could just convey my deep appreciation to the entire body um, and for that essence of, of being part of something much bigger uh, than ourselves. This girl, um, she just spent a bunch of time in that. The hospital our family has a couple thousand dollars in debt. She's one of our school kids. I'm like, how can we help? And, and it's just that kind of thing that comes every week in some way. And uh, things just pop up and you want to help. And we, it's great when we have resources to do that. I just got videos yesterday how the pastors, a couple of guys going to the Donetsk region, half an hour from the Warsaw. And then every time they pray with them, old ladies are just so awesome, just crying, said we prayed and prayed. I guess God, there is God. I guess God can hear us. We are providing this safety and kind of nest to hold them while they're decide what what's next for for them that support and community it's all that matters when you are coming from such a traumatic event and you don't really know what's going to happen super thankful that i will be able to provide that without limit god bless you so much lives are being saved we thank god for for this church that is never tired to give we know it is a sacrifice. Giving is a ministry. And we know it is telling us to continue reaching out to other people and tell them that God loves them. Tell the church, I love them. Oh, we will. We love the church. Yeah, amen. I just find that so much fun, don't you? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing to find such unity around uh, who God is, what he's doing for his glory among all the nations and here in our own communities. And um, I just want to remind you, that's just a sample. There were 17 total uh, special projects we were able to fully fund, including uh, those uh, funding Bible translations, shelters for women who have been trafficked, all in the name of Jesus. And those are in closed access, highly persecuted, secure countries. So we couldn't really share these uh, online or in person today. But you heard the thanks from our partners. I just pray you receive that this morning, church family. And uh, may we never grow tired, as Josephine said, of the joy of generosity. Amen? Amen. 
so I'd like to call our ushers forward at this time. And um, as we continue in worship, just to remind you, we believe giving is an act of worship, a joyful response to our incredible God. And I want to encourage all of us to continue to give generously through the remainder of the year as these missionaries you just saw um, they do rely on our faithful and ongoing support, month in and month out, year after year after year. It's just incredible to see what God does um, with these gifts. And so you can give online at wheatonbible.org give, mail your gift to the church offices, or give in service as we are about to do. Um, ushers, if you would please pass the plates for us this morning. Thank you. church. Let's pray over these offerings uh, given to the Lord and over the remainder of our worship this morning. Father God, we praise you. We thank you for uh, the joy of giving, for the privilege it is, Lord, to take part in what you're doing in your church, through your church, um, and among all the nations for your glory, Father. Always be working in our hearts, Father, to be uh, people who give of ourselves and, and, and just give so cheerfully, Father, because you have given so generously to us. We do this in response, Father, as an act of worship and gratitude for you. So, Lord, would you be glorified through all these projects, through all the missionaries, um, through the, the camps, the, the, the renovations of church buildings, and, and the establishment of a bakery in the middle of a war zone for shelters for vulnerable women, for um, uh, uh, the vulnerable kids who are cared for all around the world. And the list goes on, Lord. They're not just projects. These are all things done by your people for your glory, Lord, and may you be glorified through all of it. Lord, we pray over the preaching of your word this morning for Pastor Bill as he brings uh, the message. Father, may you be glorified. May you speak to us through your word. And Father, this holiday season, I pray over our church family. Lord, I pray for community, for care, for connection. Father, this is a joyous season. And we also know for some this can be a season um, of loneliness or in which losses are felt uh, even more deeply. And I pray, Lord, would you be encountered here? Would your love be encountered here among your people at Wheaton Bible Church? Would care be found here among your people, Father? 
And Lord, as always, would you send us out from worship as your ambassadors to a waiting and watching world, ready and in desperate need of you. It's in your most holy name that we lift up one another and continue in worship this morning. Amen. Advent is a special time of year where we as God's people set aside time to reorient our hearts on the truth of who Jesus is. But during times of increasing darkness, how do we again come to Advent, despite the trouble we see and face, to trust and believe in the truth of Jesus's character? It is important to remember that God's people have always faced overwhelming circumstances. The Israelites, the nation miraculously brought about by God who would bring forth the promised Messiah, consistently violated their covenant with God and suffered devastating consequences. Throughout the pages of scripture, we see so clearly how sin leads people down dark paths. But yet, we also see God sovereignly interrupt the painful circumstances and trials of life in order to bring hope, love, joy, peace. No space is too dark for God's light to shine. Scripture then reminds us who God is, has been, and will always be. In the birth of Jesus Christ, all the stories of God interrupting our world for His plans find their ultimate fulfillment. Amidst the darkness and uncertainty life brings, God seeks to not simply dispel the darkness, but bring the light of His glorious grace. Advent reminds us once again that the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the light of the world, is the interruption that led to our salvation being secured on the cross. Because of His victory over sin and darkness, we can forever experience the hope, love, joy, and peace God gives us. Well, good morning, Familia. I thank you for joining us for the morning of the Blue Blazer. And in watching the uh, Giving Project response, I want to say, church, thank you. What a beautiful confirmation of the reality of God's love expressed through you to others. Thank you. Well, this morning, with our theme of love, I want to invite you to stand as we read this scripture from the third chapter of the Apostle Paul's New Testament letter to believers in the ancient city of Ephesus. Paul tells us that he's bowing his knees before our Father in heaven, and he prays these words for believers in Ephesus he both knows and for those who's never, he's never seen, but that prayer carries down as a prayer for us as well. I pray that out of his glorious riches, the Father may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ, 
may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and built up, rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp just how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses mere knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God himself. Church, this is the word of our Lord. You may be seated. In our time together this morning, I'd like for us to consider the nature of God's love revealed in Christ, the immensity of God's love revealed in Christ, and our response to God's love in Christ. I want to begin with the nature of God's love in talking about a group of people who were not loved. In fact, they were abducted, they were kidnapped, they were trafficked as property. In February of 1839, Portuguese slave hunters abducted a large group of Africans from Sierra Leone, West Africa, in violation of international laws forbidding slave-taking. They were shipped to Havana, Cuba, where plantation owners purchased them at auction and put them aboard a schooner named Amistad. Ironically, the ship Friendship. To transport the captives to Caribbean plantation. But en route, some of the Africans broke free from their shackles, killed the captain of the ship, took over the vessel, and ordered the plantation owners to return them to Africa. The owners steered the ship northward, where the Amistad was seized by a U.S. Navy warship. The schooner, its cargo, and all on board were taken to a Connecticut port. The plantation owners were freed, the Africans were imprisoned. The fate of the ship and the captives ended up in federal court as multiple parties vied for ownership of the Amistad and its cargo. Abolitionists appealed for the Africans' freedom and hired attorneys to plead their case, a case which ended up before the U.S. Supreme Court in 1843, a mere 18 years before our country would descend into civil war. Were these 53 illegally captured Africans property? If so, who would ultimately own them? Or were they rightly free, and by whom or on what basis would they be set free? What would be their fate? The 1997 Steven Spielberg film Amistad probes this story. Now, I'd hope to show you a clip of that film this morning, but uh, 
streaming rights don't allow us to do that. So you can go on YouTube and look up Amistad Bible and you'll find this clip. This curious scene shows the imprisoned Africans have been given by abolitionists a Bible. And though none of them read uh, English and few of them can read, one of the men strains to unravel the story uh, contained in pictures within this Bible. He follows the story of a bearded man who seems to have the light of the sun surrounding his head. In the drawings, the prisoner notes the suffering of people, but that this man heals them with his hands. He protects the weak. Children are entrusted to him. The man can somehow walk on the sea. He, he does incredible things. But then this man is taken captive like they themselves had been taken captive and is killed by being hung on a big stick planted in the ground. His body's taken down from the stick and wrapped in a cloth and put in a cave. But unexpectedly, he appears alive again to his friends and, and talks with them. And then he rises up into the sky where souls go after death. What are they to make of this strange bearded man? Who was he or, or who is he? What did he actually do and why? And what difference does it make to abducted Africans in 1839 or to suburban Americans in 2022? Author Dan Walser, son of our former staff members, uh, Jeff and Jill Walser, writes in a book entitled To Make a Life about a series of dramatic losses that he and his wife experienced, including a stillborn baby. He describes the pain and isolation of deep grief as being like, as, as being, like uh, being trapped upstairs, tied to a chair in a house that's burning down. Outside, people are running with hoses and ladders, trying to make it better. He says, but I'm still trapped in the room, watching the house burn and the roof come down. In reading this, songwriter Krista Wells pondered how all of us struggle to come alongside others in their suffering. I don't know about you, but uh, for me, it's not always easy to walk into a hospital room or to visit those in nursing care, to see distress and to wonder, what can I do? Krista Wells writes, 
I'm afraid of the space where you suffer, where you sit in the smoke and the burn. I can't handle the choke or the danger of my own foolish, inadequate words. I'll be right outside if you need me, right outside. After all, what can I bring to your fire? Shall I sing while the roof is coming down? Can I hold you while the flames grow higher? Shall I brave the heat and come close with you now? Can I come close now? Friends, God came close to us in Jesus. God came close to us in Jesus, in our burning down house. As the Gospel of John begins, the Word became flesh. The eternal expression of God became human and moved into our neighborhood. And just perhaps if we ponder it, this coming close makes all the difference in the world. In a recent conversation with a skeptic dear to me, I suggested that God came close to us in Jesus so we wouldn't be left wondering, what is God like? To make it clear, to make it tangible, to make it unmistakable, God came close to us in Jesus that we might know his nature and his love. In thinking about the incarnation over the years, I'm, I'm struck by a particular story I heard in my early 20s. I can't identify the author for you and give proper credit, but it's a story that surrounds uh, the final judgment. In Revelation, we read about a great white throne uh, and the dead, great and small, gathered before the throne, and books are opened, and people are judged according to what's in the books. And this particular author uh, wrote this reflection on the judgment. And so it came, the great day of judgment, when all humanity was gathered before the majestic throne. People of all ages and nations, rich and poor, privileged and powerless, noble and notorious, were summoned to hear their fate. The vast sea of people stood in silence as the Almighty was seated and books were opened. But in the silence, the long hush was broken by a solitary whisper. Somewhere in the crowd, a voice murmured, it's not fair. The voice repeated a little louder, it's not fair. You don't know. You don't know what it's like to be weak. Somewhere else, a second voice called out, 
What do you know about struggling in poverty? Or what it's like to be an oppressed minority or to live under the threat of a foreign colonial regime? Other voices began to join in. When were you ever homeless or a refugee or hated for no reason? Have you ever been betrayed or had your friends abandon you in your darkest hour? Were you ever falsely accused, arrested, and sentenced under a corrupt system? What would you do if others spit in your face or beat and abused you? Who are you to judge us? You don't know what it's like to be us. It was to be the great judgment of humanity, but it had all been turned upside down as the people were judging God. Then silently, Jesus stepped forward before all of humanity and simply extended his hands, exposing his scars. And again, there was silence. As it became indisputable that in Christ, God not merely became, not merely came close, he became us and experienced every grief and injustice we know too well. The prophet Isaiah wrote seven centuries before Christ, even kings will shut their mouths in awe of Messiah's suffering and sacrifice for us. I want us to ponder these verses. From Isaiah 52, I want to invite you to, to read these for yourself and, and reflect on Isaiah 52. And then in Isaiah 53, we read these words. question. If there is an infinite, all-knowing creator, why would our maker choose to enter limitation and mortality? Why would one who is all-powerful submit himself to injustice and suffering? What could be the motivation of such an extraordinary expression of solidarity and sacrifice? My wife likes to watch the classic Christmas movies. The other night, um, she was watching the film 
White Christmas. And in it, Bing Bing Crosby quips, everybody's got an angle. Everybody has something they want, something they're conspiring uh, towards, something they're maneuvering toward. Everybody's got an angle, a motive, a reason, and a destination. The Gospel of John peels back the curtain on our Creator's angle. Would you stand as we read this familiar verse together? You see its references uh, displayed in NFL stadiums. Let's hear it once again. Would you read together with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You may be seated. That's John 3.16. In the letter of 1 John 3.16, the Apostle John writes, this is how we know what love is. This is love defined. This is love requalified that Jesus Christ laid down his life for you and you and you and you and you and you and me. The Apostle Paul writes similarly in Romans 5, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still his enemies, while we were ignorant, indifferent, or antagonistic towards him, Jesus died for us. This is the nature of God's love, to come close, to enter in, to risk, to serve, and to give at great personal cost. I love the words of Jesus and, uh, recorded in Mark 10 where he says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. Let's hear again the words of the Apostle Paul. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love in a way that's beyond head knowledge. The Psalms extol the love of God. Uh, A few weeks ago at Thanksgiving time, our Arabic group was gathered and we poured through uh, Psalm 100 and 107. And as we thought about our reasons for gratitude, as we think about the greatness of God's love, 
Psalm 100 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations from one to the next. Psalm 107 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord, those who've been ransomed or rescued, tell their story. Those he has gathered in from east and west and north and south, give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds to humanity. Psalm 107 ends with this injunction. Let the person who is wise ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. The Psalms declare that God's love goes on and on over time through generations. It stretches across boundaries and cultures to gather people to himself. And we're awestruck that this love came to us vulnerably as a baby born to a poor family whose first resting place was a feed box for cows. How lofty and noble is this love. How wide, how indiscriminately this love reaches. How continuous and reliable is this love that goes on and on like light radiating from the sun. How profound, how deep is this love that comes to sit with us in the deepest of pits. This is a love beyond philosophy or platitudes, a love that wins us over. In her album, Soul Tattoo, Margaret Becker writes these words. No one ever gave me a love so fine that gently heals my heart one piece at a time, that takes each jagged edge and every crooked line and soothes them to life. Well, no one ever gave me a love so sweet that tips my heart to drink when I'm fainting from the heat, that wraps my aching wounds in strips of mercy so tenderly. Is there anyone who can compare? She writes elsewhere, the finest love I have ever known was like a pearl Many dream they'll find. Oh, what joy when I held that love and realized it could be mine. So I gave all I owned just to make it mine. Sometimes people of power are pressed to rethink things. 
Napoleon Bonaparte, the emperor of France, spent the latter years of his life in exile. There, the conqueror of civilized Europe had time to think. He commented, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I founded great empires upon force and all failed. Jesus alone, a peasant Jew, founded his empire upon love, and to this day, millions would willingly lay down their lives for him. And then he writes these words. Across a chasm of 1,800 years, Jesus Christ makes a demand which is beyond all others difficult to satisfy. He asks for something which a father may seek in vain of his children, or a bride may seek in vain of her spouse, or a man of his brother. He asks for the human heart. And he will have it entirely to himself. He demands it unconditionally, and straightway forthwith his demand is granted. The person surrenders their heart to him. In defiance of time and space, the soul of a person, with all its powers and faculties, becomes an annexation to the empire of Christ. All who sincerely believe in him experience that remarkable supernatural love toward him. Time, the great destroyer, is powerless to extinguish this flame. This it is which proves to me quite convincingly that God became human in Christ. Don't let it be lost on you that God's purposeful, loving intent stretches across the ages and winds through the alleyways of geography and culture right up to your door and knocks. Jesus said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if any person opens the door, I will come in to him and we'll enjoy a banquet together. Do you hear Christ knocking? When I was in high school, I remember standing on the courthouse uh, steps at Christmas time. And that was a back, back in a day when Christmas carols were uh, played publicly without apology. And I remember standing there in the snow and hearing the words to Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, 
and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. And I wondered, is this true? Could I get reconciled with the one who made me? How does that happen? And I first heard Christ knocking at my door. What is our response to God's love revealed in Christ? <clears throat> We've been talking about Jesus, but who are you? What do you matter? You know, some things are loved because they're valuable. A gold coin, a new BMW, a full mutual fund, a person with beauty and abilities. But other things are valuable because they're loved. I remember times when our kids were little. Uh, my son had a uh, my son had a, a little stuffed clown that he loved and carried with him everywhere. And one day we got home from the park and realized Clowny had been forgotten. And we drove back immediately to search for that small raggedy stuffed clown. Because some things are valuable simply because they are loved. And that, my friend, is you. The single most important fact about your life is not your abilities, not your looks, not your bank account, not your accomplishments, not the things that you've done. The single most important fact about your life is that you are loved by God. This past October, Pastor Carlos and I had the privilege of visiting our church's indigenous partners in Lebanon. It was a joy to meet and worship together with family in Christ from the Middle East. During the visit, Carlos and I noticed a hand-carved plaque made by a Syrian Muslim refugee who's come to trust and know Christ. He crafted this uh, plaque from wood to express what Jesus and the cross mean to him. I want you to take a look at this picture and to study it a bit. In Christ, God reaches down to us, expressing his love, 
extending mercy and help, offering to lift us up to himself. His is the hand that reaches the furthest. And when we take his hand, when we receive his love and forgiveness and trust him, he gives us power to in turn extend goodwill to others, forgiving them, making peace with even those who were our enemies. Christ lifts us to God and brings us together as fellow humans. Isa chose as the ayah, the verse below this picture, love never fails. His presence with us in Christ redefines and reveals to us what love looks like, what love does, what love is. The Apostle Paul has prayed for you. I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That you would hear him knocking and open the door. That you would reach to accept the hand that's reaching down to you. And that in turn you would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Una invites you this morning to reflect on your response. Will I receive his love and love him back? Will I reach to the hand reaching down to me? Will I open the door and say, Mi casa su casa. Where I live is your home. You have won my heart. It's yours. Annex me to your empire. As we go to prayer, I'd like to invite you to reflect again upon this picture of the cross. And I want to invite you to, to close your eyes and to imagine that hand of God stretching down to you. And if it's in your heart to say, I need that mercy. I need your help. I want your love. I want to invite you in this sacred moment to extend your hand up and take his.
to extend your hand up as a symbol, Lord, I'm taking your hand. Lord, in this moment, we thank you for your grace extended to us in Christ. We take your hand and say, we are yours. Amen. Well, as we uh, continue in our time of worship, we want to turn our hearts to communion. Communion reminds us of the cost of the sacrifice of Christ to restore us in relationship with him. And I want to give you just a moment to, to ponder as we prepare for communion Communion is for those who've already taken the step of saying, I take your hand. I need your mercy. I receive your mercy. I want to belong to you. Here I am. So if, if you have not taken that step yet, I encourage you to continue to ponder and to move towards that step. If you have taken that step uh, already, the Lord Jesus invites you to partake of the bread and the wine and remembering his sacrifice for you. We're called to come before him as well in confession of any sins we, we see in our lives to acknowledge and forsake those and to trust and enter into fellowship with him. So take these moments to reflect and in a moment we'll take the elements together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup and uh, the bread, and he said to his disciples, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat.
he then held up a cup of wine and said, this cup represents my blood, which will be poured out for many for the forgiveness of their sins. I tell you the truth, I won't drink from this cup again until we enjoy it in the banquet in the kingdom. He invited all of his followers to take of the cup. Lord, thank you for the nature and immensity of your love. Lord, would you make yourself at home in our hearts and lives? Would you fill us with yourself? Would you fill us with this love that your love would leak out through our lives. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let us stand and respond to God's outstretched arm to us. We celebrate who he is tonight, today.
One of my blessings as a senior pastor is that I get to serve with people like Kelly, people that love the Lord and love the church. As many of you know, uh, Kelly has been serving with us as a uh, director of women's ministry and in the last few years, director also of adult ministries uh, for 14 years. And every single one of those years has been a blessing, has been a blessing to you and it has been a blessing to us. You are an evidence of the power of God, the grace of God, and the love of God. And we want to say thank you. Now, uh, Kelly understands that the Lord is calling her to a new season in life. And this is uh, super painful for all of us because this has been her, her church yeah. and she deeply, deeply love you all. So is there something that you would like to share with the church? Well, thank you. I thought this was a perfect week for me to have a last day talking about the love of God because I have experienced his love deeply and richly here. Um, in and through my relationships with you, with the staff. I'm just so grateful for the opportunities that I've had. I want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me these opportunities. I've had a front row seat to many, many people's lives and seeing what God is doing. I am grateful that he is here, that he is working. And I have to say thank you to my husband, Lance, and our family because they've supported me being gone a lot of hours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I just will miss everybody, but I love that our hands are joined because of Jesus and we'll stay that way. Amen. Uh, okay, do me a favor, could you please uh, stretch out your hands, reach out, and we're going to pray for Kelly. Heavenly Father, we want to start by saying thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to see your love and commitment uh, to us through Kelly. Not just uh, through the things that she has done, but through who she is and has been. And now, Lord, we come before you asking you for your blessing upon Kelly and Lance as they seek your face, your wisdom, and your guidance. That in the midst of this transition, they may know that you are with them, that you are for them, that your promises are secure, and that your purposes will be fulfilled. And we pray for all of this in the name of Jesus. And we say, and now let's receive the blessing that the Lord Jesus guarantees for us. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us that, so that his ways may be known on earth and his salvation among all the nations. And the church says, Amen. thanks for coming, church. We love you. Have a blessed day. You are sent.